Hi, Muggles. We have part two with Michael S. Emerson, and we are going to talk about how to finance films um, for aspiring filmmakers, how do they get the money, and we've been talking about all the amazing things Michael S. Emerson did, and, and if you were listening to part one, you'll learn about how he met the Queen of England. Oh, MG. So um, welcome back, Michael. Hi, Michael. Oh, Hi. Hello. Thank you, Marilyn. Glad yeah. to be back. Yeah, let me just um, remind everybody, Michael is a creator, writer, producer, and director of the acclaimed Newsmax TV series, An American Moment. I also want to ask that he has directed and co-produced the History Channel's award-winning two-hour television specials, When Cowboys Were King, Hollywood's Greatest Villains, 70s Fever, as well as a and &E special, Cecil B. DeMille and the James Wood Biography. He has so many amazing things. He's partnered with Media Biz and Starlings Entertainment CEO Karen Martin and director Mike Sears to form MBM3 Films and MBM3 Funds. So he actually does film funds. So I can't wait for us to get into it, but we're just going to recap a little bit before we continue. So Michael, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, we had fun. We were just we were just on the Britannia yacht and the end of part one. That was amazing. Uh, but you gotta listen to part one to, to know what we were talking about. So part two. Um, so Michael, you did your incredible radio show. And how many how many hours did you do? Do you know? I did, yeah. Oh, I, I did actually I did a eleven hundred and seventy five broadcasts. Gosh, that's a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. So know. how many interviews? Do you know how many interviews was that as well? Well, what we would do is we would we very, you know, the very key people. I mean, like King Thought of Saudi Arabia or, or like you mentioned, Bob Hope or, or Shirley Temple Black. Where Shirley Temple maybe way before your some of your audience, but she was the number one boxer. She, she was the child star that built 20th Century Fox. And so some of her interviews were incredible, very sweet, sweet lady. But they basically, I did about 360, I think, interviews, and then it's similar to what we're doing right now. And then I would uh, then break them into shows and break them into uh, five-part shows for the week. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should break mine to parts. Mine are like I give them a full thirty minutes, part one and part two. So you, you, um, was there any? Can we just ask real quick before we get into the film financing? Was there some favorite interviews you want to share with us, real quick, if we may ask? Well, again, the, you have to fall into different categories. Uh, now, for your audience, you know, I don't know what philosopher once wrote. The hand of time had it, having written moves on, but he, he was absolutely correct because I grew up, the legend name was Bob Hope. And like many times, many people today don't know it. I actually have had people say, oh, yeah, yeah, he, that's a, they, uh, he has a street named after him in Palm Springs or something. You know? But he was an incredible uh, uh, star of stage, screen, radio, television, everything. Uh, when I interviewed Bob, he uh, he was my number my second interview when I, uh, my whole show the second interview i was scared to death this was bob hope and i got in bob hope and uh as you know marilyn and you know your audience knows from listening to your programs you can't just give a one two answer thing you know you have to explain what's going on and so when i sat down with bob hope the very first time it turns out that he asked me to come back and interview him numerous times over the years. Yeah. But 
But at the same time, my first time I sat down with him, I should tell your audience that for a normal show, I would go through maybe 20 questions. And out of that, I'd get enough information to do the, you know, the show for a week. In the case of Bob Hope, I went through 86 questions, 86 questions. And every answer was, yep, nope, yeah, that's right. None of it usable, none of it. And so here's the secret that I want to tell your audience. Whatever you do, whatever field you're in, research everything. Because I had research. I was so scared that was, you know, my first, my second interview was going to be with Bob Hope. <laughs> that I, I researched everything. And out of absolute frustration, toward the end of the interview, I realized that Bob Hope boxed under the name Packy East. And out of absolute frustration, we were together for like 30 minutes, absolutely nothing I could use, nothing, not a single answer I could use. I, out of frustration, I said, where did you come up with the name Packy East? And I swear to you, it was like, and this is the only way I can explain it, it was like I turned the switch on. He lit up and he started laughing and he says, well, my, I, I had a roommate. And to pay the rent, he he packed on he boxed under the name Packy West, and when I needed help paying the rent, I used the name Packy East, and we started from that point forward. It was a different Bob Hope, and we had such great great information about his life, his people, his friends, his family, his work, his failures, his successes, that uh, it made for great programming. As I said, Bob's people. About once a year, would call me back and say, "Bob, like to, you know, Bob would like to do another interview with you." And so, uh, that the answer there is, do your research, people. I love that. Like, who knew that he boxed? Like, was he lightweight? He was very, very. In fact, he was a very shy man. By the way, it's not unusual for celebrities. A very shy man. I should say, was he lived to be a hundred? And uh, we did it at uh, an office on the property of his house in Toluca Lake. And I was sitting out, I was sitting in the office and I watched him. He was walking back and forth and back and forth, nervous outside. He didn't want to do it. Then he came in and kind of sat down and did this. And as I say, once I touched on something he was interested in, it was a marvel. It was actually a great relationship. And uh, I always welcomed seeing him again and we'd have some laughs. And it was, I was a very privileged, very privileged to guy to do that. Well, I, I, I'm going to figure out a way to get these interviews on the podcast. I will help you, what, you know, because I think the world needs to hear those because, you know, that's why they're listening to this podcast. They get so much information from producers and directors and writers like you that are, are, are actually working. And, and everyone has had to start. Like you grew up in Beverly Hills and you said you did marketing. And um, so you did your TV show. So then, Michael, will you share with us how you transitioned from radio to getting into producing or directing and writing? I am, uh, actually, it was... Sorry, we have some uh, back noise. Sorry, everyone. It's live. <laughs> no, that's right. I was saying the... Um, I when, my, The difference was, is my degrees were in marketing and advertising, but I had this opportunity to create... Came up with an idea of creating a radio show, and that was face-to-face. -face. And then that uh, had enough success... That actually, I was then offered while I was on the radio. I was offered a um, opportunity to do a series of television documentaries, and they were called Crossfire. And I did twelve of them, 
and seven of them won national and international awards. And that opened up the door to do more television. I left radio, did television. I did television for uh, several years. Then I went into motion pictures. I did a couple low-budget uh, motion pictures. Kind of uh, my, my family still kids me about it. My wife still kids me that one of the pictures was called uh, Chinatown Connection, which was a martial arts, kung fu, low-budget thing. By the way, you can still see it. It still shows on Mac on uh, you know when they do these these um, marathons of, of martial arts you'll always find it in there but it's funny because uh, my wife for instance will go see a movie and I'll come out of that movie and I'll say something like uh, you know that's the worst picture I have ever seen and she'll say no no Chinatown Connection was the worst picture you ever seen. That's bad, but not as bad as your movie. That's how I, my my ego is kept in check around my house. Well, you know, it's funny enough. Like, but people, uh, you know, going back, we love watching those. Like, oh my gosh, but uh, one of the favorite films that everyone come in there when they tell me one of their favorite films, they'll say big. What's it? Big uh, Curse Russell's film, big. Uh, in Chinatown, well, big. Oh gosh, it's um. Oh, the uh, the big sleep, or no, the the um. I'm dyslexic. It's like I mean, but you know, big uh, in Chinatown with Curse Russell. It's like kung fu and karate, and oh my god, it's such such a fun movie. Like, and you can keep seeing it over and over again. So maybe they'll check out yours as well. Honestly, you're not, you're, you're, <laughs> you probably should. And if you do check out my movie, that was my very first movie. It's a low budget movie. It was five hundred thousand dollars. And uh, if you do watch that movie, Kung, it's called Chinatown Connection, you'll see me in three different parts. One of them being a dead body, one being a cop, and one ordering a hot dog. So that, that's how low the budget was. I had to be in three different roles. And then one of them playing a dead body. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're, once again, what's the name of the title so they can go look for that? Because, like, I bet you'll be funny to watch it, fun to watch it. It's called Chinatown Connection. Chinatown, by the way, Chinatown that Connection. is on the internet. You somebody uploaded so the entire movie's at YouTube, Chinatown Connection. Chinatown Connection. And so well you should be getting credit for that. That's your film. But Big Trouble and Little China is the Kurt yeah, Russell one. Right. Yeah, there, because I wanted it was on the uh, sometimes on dyslexic, you guys, so forgive me. So so you went from you got an offer to produce these crossfire TV shows that won a lot of awards, and then you started um doing some film and then then uh so how did what did you go back to? You go back and forth between TV and film, right? I did the two pictures. Actually, the second picture is called uh, Big Bad John. And, um, but I was still a neophyte in that. And, um, and then I came back into television. And I was, I, you know, I spent about maybe 15 years or so doing History Channel, A&E, Biography, Disney, stuff like that. And then um, I got this opportunity with, the, with my friend to form this new company, which is Film Equity. Because in independent production, and since we should, let's talk about production, in independent production, it's very difficult for producers to be treated fairly because either it's a big studio film or it's an independent production and you're not treated as fairly or as equitably as I think you should. And so our theory was if we could create funding for independent productions, 
and provide for that at the same time a, a potential for distribution as well as the PA money, which is the print and advertising money used to promote motion pictures, that we could become a virtual a virtual mini studio for uh, independent producers. And that's what I've been working on for the last five years. <clears throat> So great. So do you, uh, so, so I just um, want everyone to know that Michael grew up in Beverly Hills and then he um, did his uh, radio show. Then he did the Crossfire TV shows and film. And then now you are getting into film production and which we are going to be talking about how, how to finance films or how to do, how the movies get made. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, maybe we should just go into that. I, when you approached me originally and I saw what you did, I thought it was very interesting. I think you did a great job. Thank you. The, um, but, you know, I, I really don't, uh, it's just me. I, I, I just can't wrap my head around that any of your listeners could care less about, you know, what I watch or what I do, um, what I find life good or not. I do find that people with, that are interested in motion pictures many times either one want to be in motion pictures or have their own picture they want to do or have their own idea they want to do but um, have no idea how to do it. And so I am periodically asked by some of my peers to come and speak to groups, primarily directors, writers, and producers, to talk about the, uh, how to get their independent production financed. And so if you want, we can just kind of jump into that in case that might be of interest to your viewer, to your listeners. Absolutely, they would love to learn the business of filmmaking and how to finance. Well, the first thing, everything starts, and I and just bear with me, but everything starts with an idea. And yet, I want your listeners to recognize that ideas are like noses. Everybody has one. The difference is, is how you take that idea and move it forward and bring it onto the screen. The second part, and this is something we discussed in your previous program, uh, your ability to tell you know, what is marketable and what isn't. The second part of that step is to make sure whatever idea that you want to promote or that you are promoting, make sure it has an audience. So um, in our case, in our picture business, we're looking at audiences for the widest possible range of audience we can because that's your, your revenue base. So if, you're, if you think there's a real need for a motion picture based upon uh, the sex life of, of uh, flies, uh, that's not that's not for us because the audience for that is a very, very tiny little niche. So the, the, the thing you want to do is whatever your idea is, hopefully it will have the widest possible appeal to an audience because that's where the money comes back from your motion picture. So once you have, I, when I lecture at these places, I always start the same thing off. I ask the question, same question. Normally, there's about 50 to 100 people in the audience. These are directors, writers, producers. And I will say something to the effect of how many people in here have a picture that just has to be made. And invariably, about somewhere between 8 to 10% of the people will raise their head. Yeah. And my answer is no picture just has to be made. It's not true. It doesn't happen. And the reason is pictures are widgets. They must be made to fulfill a market response. So if your, your picture meets certain criteria for marketing, 
and uh, and appeals to a wide enough audience, then your picture has a chance of being made, and that's where we start. So um, I think too that the other thing that we should talk about before we get into the actual dollars and cents is what are the biggest mistakes producers make in making a motion picture? What are the most costliest mistakes? And I can tell you there's a slew of them. But if you want to start on top, the first one is they make the mistake of hiring family for their picture. And, and you know, you may have the cutest daughter, the cutest wife or whatever, the cutest kids or whatever. But if they can't act, you can't put them in your picture because it draws down the, the viability of the picture, the marketability of the picture, because it's obvious they're not actors. So that's the number one mistake. Number two mistake is you under budget your picture. You think you, 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 you kid yourself into thinking that the amount of money that you're going to raise for this picture is enough to make the picture. And then what happens is you get to, into it, you get 80% or 90% of your picture done. You've run out of money and all this work that you've put in, it's going to go down the drain because whoever comes in to fill that gap is going to take over your picture. So those are those are a couple of really big mistakes you know, that producers make uh, in in doing that. And the the third mistake, and this is classic too. I understand it; it's in my blood. I understand what I'm about to say, but it's 100 percent wrong. Everybody wants to run out and start shooting. That's the first thing. You want to get the money, run out, get the crew, go out and start shooting. I my attitude is: you do not shoot a single frame until you know where that picture is going. Who is the ultimate receiver of that picture? Are you making it for Netflix, which didn't exist 10 years ago? Or are you making it for television? Are you making it for the foreign market, the theatrical market? Who are you making this picture for? And uh, that's essential because if you're not, if you don't know where you're making, taking the picture when it's over with, you're gonna be in trouble because you may not sell it. And now you have a total and complete uh, investment that isn't simply returning itself. In the book that you mentioned in the previous show, my book, Mastering the Art of Media Messaging, and that book is really, really not for the industry, it's for, for business. And it basically tells people how to, the, the book combines two things. How, uh, it's the formula that Madison Avenue uses and the History Channel uses and the rest to create hopefully a successful program or a successful message. And then the second part of that is that there's a chapter in there called the Ten Commandments of Communication on how you can actually convey this information. So, but the first part of it is how you, the first thing you have to do is you determine your audience. This is for a television show. This is for a commercial on shaving cream. You determine your audience and then you build to that audience. And that's the first, that's something very important you have to do for the motion picture. Okay. So having said all of that, now you're ready to, uh, to go out and raise the money for a motion picture. So let's use the figure, the sweet spot of, of studio motion pictures changes all the time. I'm talking about the number, the finance, the sweet spot changes. There used to be is between uh, uh, 20, I mean, uh, uh, about 12 and $20 million. Today, today, and it will change tomorrow. Today, the sweet spot for studios is $75 million or more. That's absurd to me. Uh, my sweet spot for motion pictures for a budget is somewhere between 12 and $15 million. 
Now, for those of you who understand this, bear with me, but a budget of a motion picture is broken down into two phases. One is called below the line and one is called above the line. The below line, the below the line phase of a motion picture is what it really truly costs for the in hardware to make that picture. What it truly costs for the technicians, the equipment, the camera, the film, or whatever, everything you're using, locations, transportation, housing, everything. What is the real cost of making that picture? And then the above the line is the creative cost. That includes your talent, your director, your producers. All those fees are negotiable. But the fees below the line basically are not. So out of, let's use for, let's use a, um, let's use a figure $10 million. So in, if it's a $10 million production, you're looking at the below the line to be approximately six and a half to $7 million. You're looking hopefully that the above the line, you have at least $3 million or more for the talent. That's the producer, director, and the on-screen talent. So let's use a figure 60, 40. So uh, on a $10 million motion picture, $6 million is what it's really going to cost you to make it. And now your talent, is you have $4 million to play with. So your budget is $10 million. So how do you come about raising $10 million? Uh, I used to believe, before I got educated, that I needed $10 million. If I'm going to do a motion picture, I need $10 million. Well, you don't. You need about 20% of the $10 million, and that's called first equity funding. So in the case of a $10 million motion picture, you really need to raise about $2 million. And the $2 million is what is referred to as first equity because it's the first money that actually is going to go to make the movie. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit for your listeners and understand that before you can do anything, you need a script. And that's development money. Development money is the hardest money to find in Hollywood because the high percentage of that, the money you spend on making a script and, and getting a script ready for finance, the hardest money you're going to find on that is uh, the failure rate is so high. 80, 85% of the people who put money into scripts, scripts never get made. So that's hard money to find. It's expensive money to find, but it's out there and you can find it. So making the assumption that you already have a shooting script and the script has been budgeted and boarded. That's an old term. Boarded simply means timed. It's uh, the production days are laid out so you know how many days you're shooting. Then, um, then you then you sit about after you have a, a, a picture boarded. Now you can get a budget, and you know what the exact real budget of that is. So we've decided on this mythical picture is ten million dollars. So you need to come up with $2 million in investors, not $10 million, $2 million. And that's not that difficult to do if it's a good project, especially if it has talent attached. Now, there are so many subchapters to this. I'm just going to ignore those and just stay with the main theme here. But uh, if you have any questions, I'll be, I'll be happy to address those. But so let's look at this. A motion picture. It costs $10 million. 50% of the motion picture, is that right? 50% of the motion picture is owned by the, by the producer itself. 
The other 50% is owned by the um, uh, uh, finance people. So a producer owns 50% of the picture, money owns 50% of the picture. And then what happens is you can break down for additional forms. Of, uh, we're running out of time, so I'll make this quick. Additional forms. You can look for tax credits. There are places around the country and around the world that will give you anywhere from 20 to 40% of your budget back in money and tax credits if you film in their area. There are, are government assistance on some types of pictures that you can get. You also have the ability to pre-sell your picture. You can join with a international distributor and that distributor can reach out and maybe pre-sell up to about 15 or 20% of the budget. And then you have matching funds and then you have what they call a bridge loan. So you take $2 million, that's 20% of your budget. You look for about 20% in tax credits, that's another $2 million. You look for about another 20 or 25% in pre-sales, that's another $3 million roughly. So now you're up to about $6 million, whatever it's five to $6 million. Then you look for um, bridge loans. And a bridge loan, which is easily available once you have first equity funding, a bridge loan is available, and that's guaranteed by the domestic, the domestic release of the picture. So there are many ways that you can finance your motion picture without having to write a check for $10 million. In fact, if you had the ability to spend $10 million on a picture, maybe you come from a very wealthy family, I don't know, I would tell you you'd be foolish to do so. I would rather take the $10 million and divide it over five pictures and use the funding ideas that I'm not making up. These are industry funding ideas. So that kind of gives you a really wide overview. But um, that information I gave you is not secret. It's out there. They can find it. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so an investor, an equity investor, would probably want to do a slate of films and spread the risk, right? So. Yes, but it, that's not easy to do. I mean, that's the business for because every picture has to have a viability of return. You have to have talent. You have to have everything else. I'm just simply saying that I don't believe I um, uh, that somebody who is is proposing to you that you need $10 million to make your $10 million picture, my first, my red flags would go up. I'd say I'd be worried about who that person was, whether they really were capable, because that isn't the way it's done. Oh, that's bad. So, yeah. So, um, so I, Michael, can you share people where they can go to your website or your links to catch up and see what you're doing and um, or follow you on your Instagram or social media? Where can our listeners um, keep up with what you're doing? Well, it's a great question. I don't keep any uh, social media. Um, I uh, my website is being reconstructed right now. It's under Michael S. Emerson Productions, but it isn't up. It's being reconstructed. Uh, I don't know whether your listeners are in touch with you all the time. I'd be happy to send you an article that outlines specifically the funding choices that I've just given you. I wrote it for Movie um, Movie Guide Magazine. Uh, that's online, I'm sure. It's called The Promises, Pitfalls. What is it called? It's The Promises, Pitfalls or something. I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. Okay. And, so, and um, if your people want it, you could uh, you can put it on your site or give it to them. Oh, great. So if you guys, um, please remember to subscribe and like. And in the description, if you guys want to email me, 
I can forward that to you. But please make sure you subscribe um, uh, to our channel. Give us five stars. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Michael, you gave us so much, uh, so many valuable tips, steps, and gave us uh, really great concrete things to think about and to learn about before we jump into making our first feature film. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for being with on us. The show today, we have two, you know, I have two podcasts. I have my Filmatics podcast, and I also have the Girl's Guide to Investing. I think they'll both enjoy listening and learning um, what you presented today and told us today. It was fantastic. We're so happy to have you. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next week, have a fantastic day. And if you subscribe and like, we really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you next week.